you talk about in the book a lot about family values and it, it's a challenging time for uh, concept of family values in, in many regards. One is because all families in different contexts are facing challenges to what they value versus what they're seeing within the world around them. Mm-hmm. At the same time, our definition of values is being reshaped as we as Christians are learning about other expressions of Christianity and what they value. And it's difficult to, to kind of fully measure and understand these things. So what does it look like for parents today to shape their family's values with their kids as, as part of the process as they're also wrestling with um, the questions they have about what's going on in our world today? Welcome to the CBF Podcast Conversation. We know that conversations matter. So each week we are grinding through the critical research to bring you the best stories and resources of people doing groundbreaking and innovative work in renewing God's world. I'm Andy Hale, your CBF Podcast host. And this year we're celebrating our seventh year of the podcast, bringing you even better interviews worth your time, attention, and collaboration. These episodes are not intended for you to listen to an island unto yourself. Get online, share your insights, thoughts, and feedback from the podcast with us on CBF's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. We also want you to join the CBF podcast community through our CBF podcast listener support page at cbf.net backslash podcast support. We see you, Pasadena, California, Louisville, Kentucky, Beaverton, Oregon, and Frankfurt, Germany. First-time listeners and long-time listeners, we are grateful you are here for the conversation. Go ahead and click that subscribe button and be sure to rate and review the podcast as it helps others find us. We want to give a special shout-out to some of our listener supporters. Carson Fushi, Caroline Bell, Cindy Foldenlore, Trip Hawthorne, Carla Mike Wick, and that generous anonymous donor that keeps giving in honor of CBF Grump. And before we move on, we want to give a special shout-out to our annual sponsors, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Our guest for this week's CBF podcast conversation is Monica Swanson. Monica is the host of Boy Mom podcast. She's also a writer with her popular blog and two books. Her work has appeared in the Huffington Post and NBC Today. Monica, welcome to the conversation. Oh, so good to be here. Thank you. So uh, we're recording this early December, and I'm looking out at 30 degrees, rainy, <laughs> ugly day. H- how are things in the uh, North Shore of, of Hawaii? Yes, here on the North Shore, I'm on out in the country on Oahu, and it is a little rainy. I mean, we've got seasons in our own way, but yeah, it's it's pretty nice. I can't complain. Um you know, speaking of, of states that um, one day I'll, I'll get to eventually, I uh, just hear amazing things. And uh, for all the stuff that I'm into, as far as the ocean and the mountains and hiking and all those things, it sounds oh, like yeah. you can get all that in Hawaii. And, and yeah. one day, right? One day you have to. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's not a difficult trip from anywhere in the mainland US. So um, it's, it's fascinating. We have a lot of journalists and bloggers and authors on the podcast. And I'm always fascinated, especially when there is a very distinctive topic uh, that they've become mm-hmm. known for writing on. So how did you get into the practice of writing about parenting? Yes. Well, it it surprises me more than anyone when I look at my story and think back. 
Uh, I studied sports medicine in college. My husband's a physician. My background was really in, you know, the area of kind of fitness and, and health. And I did always love to write when I was young. I just never considered that as a career option. And so really it was my love for family and parenting and all the things I went through in my early years as I was digging in and, and really wanting to be intentional in my parenting, but, you know, facing all the challenges that parents do. And as I overcame some things and learned some things, and then I had my fourth son and I turned 40 and I thought, you know, there's this thing people are doing, this blog thing, maybe I'll just give it a shot. And so I sat down and started writing. And I think from probably the very first blog post, I just was hooked. It just felt so good to get back to something I think I loved as, as a child. And so it was a couple years of writing so consistently. I look back and think, what what inspired me? Because I was writing, you know, at least four to five blog posts a week, every week with a very small audience for a few years before things started to really pick up momentum. And, and I started to realize, you know, people weren't actually coming to me because of my beautiful pictures of Hawaii as much as I thought that might be the draw. It was when I talked about family, when I started to share my passion for raising kids, to know the Lord, to have character, all the things that I valued so much and was working on, I realized that a lot of people out there were looking for hope and encouragement. And so, yeah, it was about three and a half years in when I wrote a blog post that I didn't think too much about. It certainly wasn't rocket science. It wasn't anything brand new, but it was called What Your Teenage Son Needs Most From You. And that's the one that kind of just had had the magic, you know, all the stars aligned, God's hand was on it. It was, it was timing, who knows what all it took, but a couple million people read that in a very short time. And from there, uh, somehow a lot of doors just opened. And that was the beginning of a really fun journey and giving me some opportunities to write more and speak more and really talk about what I love, family. So it's been really cool. It's funny, you know, when uh, you're a public person, you know, I've, I've pastored several churches and my kids have been in the congregation listening to me preach. And of course, sometimes you, you know, write sermon illustrations or tell stories to kind of illustrate mm. something. And I learned quickly that I needed to ask them permission as they got older, <laughs> if I could share a story or, or not. You know, I, right. I, I imagine, you know, uh, you, as you mentioned before, you, you have a kid or two, maybe in college, you know, so are, are you starting to have to ask that with them? Or are they starting to push back on anything you've written about? You know, I'm so grateful. My, my boys have been super, super supportive and any, anything that required, you know, their permission was run by them and they've been awesome. I think more than anything now, it's more like the photos, the 12 year old that's like, don't post that, you know? So I am cautious on social media, but thus far they've been total team players and it's been a lot of fun to have them on board and really supporting me and encouraging me in my writing. So tell us about the podcast. Yeah, well, I, I really started the Boy Mom podcast to support the launch of uh, my book, Boy Mom, back in the summer of 2019. And as you might remember, though, you've been doing it longer. I, I was so nervous. I was like, I'm a writer, not a podcaster. Like, I don't even know about this, but I'll do it for a while. And and kind of like writing, it just kind of clicked. And I was like, this is so much fun getting to interview other people. And then as I started to share chapters really from the book, doing some solo episodes, I realized once again, people love that. That's what I was getting more, more people listening to those episodes than many of the interviews. So 
it's been fun um, learning curve for sure. I always say you have to be bad at something before you're good at it. So I just gave myself permission to kind of be not great and I'm still learning. However, I will say uh, when this comes out, most likely my podcast is transitioning in the new year of 2023 to be the Monica Swanson podcast because my upcoming book is not just for boy moms. It's for parents of boys and girls. And I really wanted to welcome the full audience so as much as I'm going to miss the hashtag boy mom fun, um, we're, we're opening that up, making it the Monica Swanson podcast, giving me some opportunities to talk about a whole range of things. So um, you have a new book, Raising yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, this book is a resource for parents based on your experience raising four kids and, and the research you've done. You wrote, mm -hmm. parenting can feel like an unrelenting, thankless job. The days are long, especially in early years, and it can be incredibly easy to lose appreciation for the gifts of your children and the privilege of, of parenting them. Um, take us into kind of uh, the, the main idea behind this book. Yeah, well, I think since writing Boy Mom and getting feedback from readers, a couple of different topics just seem to come up over and over. And I really like to listen, you know, even through my blog, I have just a great um, audience that gives me a lot of feedback, social media in all the different places. And so I've taken notes over the past few years and, and there's kind of three areas that I found people kept asking about. And it, it, somewhat through observation, I've had my sons on my podcast uh, through the things I've shared in my writing. And the three things that parents seemed most interested in is one, raising a child who grows up to love God. And once they launch from the house, continue to walk with God, to make the choice independently, to have a relationship with Jesus. And thus far, you know, my oldest sons are 23 and 21, and they're fully involved in ministry across the ocean from me, all on their own, just totally doing great spiritually, um, as well as the two that still live at home. Um, so faith is a huge topic. The other thing people see is my boys are thus far all best friends. They just, they love each other and they're very public about that. They post kind things about each other. And I think especially parents with young kids are like, how in the world did you do that? You know, of course, when they're young and they're squabbling and fighting, they're like, is there any chance my kids will even like each other? And I like to assure those parents that my boys have fought plenty too. In fact, sometimes they still do, but I love to encourage families that kids can be connected to each other and with their parents. We just are really blessed to have great relationships. And then the third topic, which has just become a favorite of mine to talk about is character. What it means to raise a kid to embrace godly character, noble character. And it's kind of an old fashioned word. People don't talk about it a lot anymore. We live in a selfie generation, right? Where there's such a focus on um, selfishness and entitlement. And so I love to talk about character. I have an online course called the character training course. And so I just wanted to put more in writing. So there's three main topics that the subtitle to Raising Amazing is a little bit long, but I love it. Um, it says bringing up kids who love God, like their family, and do the dishes without being asked. And really, that's that's the heart of the book, those three topics. And so I had a lot of fun getting to dive in a little deeper than I did in Boy Mom and also, again, address the girls. And then um, probably my favorite thing is that my husband came in to give a note to the dads at the end of every chapter. And I think that's just going to be a really cool way to bring the dads in and encourage them as well. In the book, you, you talk about all-in parenting. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, I closed that chapter not to 
um, spoil it for anyone who's going to read, but uh, talking about being at the ocean and how often, you know, my boys will be down at the beach. And before we head home, I'm like, oh, I'm going to take a dip. And I get about to my knees and I'm like, oh, that's good enough. And they're like, no, mom, you have to get all the way in. Come on, go under. And just that concept, the difference between dipping your toes in the water and just diving all the way in. And I think in parenting, our lives are busy, understandably, all of us. There's a lot of parents who are working and juggling a lot of responsibilities. And um, I think I think it can be easy to look at parenting sometimes as almost something we do on the side or a part of who we are, but then we want to dish off our kids for their spiritual training or for their education. We want to send them, you know, as soon as they get home from school, we're signing them up for the next thing because we just want to keep them busy to reduce our responsibility. And I think there's such a difference when you say, you know what, I'm all in. I'm all in for your heart, for your soul. Uh, I'm going to be intentional about your education, about your friendships. This isn't, this is not helicopter parenting. I clarify that in a list of what all in parenting is not in that chapter, but I just love to encourage parents to to have no regrets when those kids launch because zero to 18 happens quickly. I know the days are long, but the years really are short and you want to look back when they launch and say, you know what? I didn't hold back. I gave it all I had and kids have a free will. They're going to make their own choices, but you know what? There's a whole lot you can do in those formative years that are going to make such a difference and you do not want regrets. So just go all the way in. And I give a list of ways to communicate with your kids that you're all in. And then I have extra resources on my blog for book readers where I list even more, but I just love that heart of saying, kids, I am here for you. I'm not going anywhere. I believe in you and I'm going to keep fighting for you. We're raising kids in a crazy culture and they need us more than than ever. There's a striking quote uh, from the book I want to read. You wrote, we tend to easily invest in a, a lot of time and intentional effort into many areas of our life. We are strategic about academics, job deadlines. We follow workout schedules to accomplish fitness goals. We carve out time to organize our financial plan, vacation plans, and meal plans. Yet we often neglect to be intentional with our own family. Mm -hmm. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly, um, but why do you think that is? Yeah, great question. I, all I can think is, you know, kids come along. We don't, we don't always have a strategic plan for when they're coming. Some people do, but typically they come along and there's a whole lot of other things happening in our life. And it, it's just so easy to take for granted um, these little humans that join our world. And they're not going to get up and complain as an infant or even as a toddler. They don't know what to say or do. And so it, it's just so easy to take it for granted to squeeze them in. They're quick to forgive us when we mess up. It's almost like there's just not that accountability. If, if you don't show up for work, you're going to, you're going to know <laughs> somebody's going to talk to you about that. If you're not following a, a diet plan, the scale's going to tell you, right? So that accountability isn't necessarily there unless you have a heart that is really tuned in to God's word, to the Holy spirit, listening and, um, really considering the, the ramifications of how you're parenting and what that's going to, you know, really look like down the road. So I, I think that we can get by with it is the sad truth. And yet nobody wants to, I'm not, there's no shame here, no condemnation. There's seasons where I know I'm slacking in one area or another technology, you know, there's so many things we need to stay on top of, but I do believe that when you, uh, really regroup and say, that's it. I'm going to be all in here. It makes such a difference and you will never regret it. 
at the same time, you know, um, thinking practically, how, how do parents bring intentionality to the role? Mm. Yeah, practically, I, I think it's going to take the same discipline that anything does. And so for some people, that's going to be, uh, you know, putting something down on paper. I, I have a chapter in here talking about just really planning. What is your trajectory for your family? Just like you would anything else, a business plan or, or a diet plan. What What is the trajectory? Where do you want to be? And how are you going to get there? Because it's, it's not going to happen on accident. You look at, you know, amazing kids, kids who are launching into the world who really, you know, all my writing really started off by those kids who impressed me before I ever had my own kids. I remember having conversations with people and, you know, an 18 year old or 20 year old and just looking at them. And the first thought that came to my head was, I want to meet this kid's parents. Like what in the world did they do? Because they just so impressed me. And I thought that's what I want to raise kids who do that. I want to raise kids who look someone in the eye, have a conversation who are others centered. How in the world can I get there? Well, it all starts in the home starts through modeling what that looks like, teaching them what it looks like, correcting and training and disciplining. And so really my, my advice is always to set your aim on the young man or woman that you want to launch into the world and then walk out the steps to get there and whatever that takes. If it takes rearranging your schedule, if it takes downsizing your home so that you can be around more and maybe work less, whatever it takes, it is absolutely worth it. the you know you're you're a person of faith um and i'm a person of faith the, the challenging part of parenting is that we have the bible but the bible wasn't designed to be a step-by-step -step guide for raising kids <laughs> i yeah. mean you, you use abraham's story as an example of hey you probably don't want to offer your kids up as sacrifices uh, and right. all the <laughs> issues that come as a result mm -hmm. of that david is an example of a horrible father in so many ways so you know, how do, how do you, uh, as a person of faith, hold the Bible in one hand? And what else do you seek in order to allow your faith to inform how you parent? Right. You're, you're so right. And, and there are a lot of examples in, in the scriptures of some bad parents, some bad family dynamics, and also some good ones. And I think the more we are students of scripture, the more we see just God's hand and God's God's um, wisdom woven throughout the scriptures, which is really consistent from the beginning to the end. Even those who blew it and made mistakes, God's heart has been for the family from the beginning. And, you know, I often refer to Deuteronomy chapter six or chapter 11, where it just talks about how we need to be teaching the commands to our children as we get up, as we walk along the road, when we lie down. And the heart of that isn't family devotions once a week or making sure everyone's in church Sundays and Wednesdays. It It's all day long. And the best I can come up with is if my own relationship with God is strong, if I'm spending time in the word, it's going to flow out of me into my natural conversation. There, There's no hacks for that, right? There's no shortcuts. It's going to be as mom talking about the things that honor God. Am I um, reciting the scripture that I was just sitting on that morning because I spent time with God. And so I think that Deuteronomy is, is probably a, one of my greatest inspirations for weaving scripture throughout the day. Now I homeschool, so that's a little bit easier because I'm with my kids all day long. Um, if you're sending your kids out somewhere else and they're having all different influences, it's going to be more challenging, but what do you do with the hours that you do have them? And again, there's no hacks for that. It's really got to come from an authentic place of your own heart. So I tell parents, if you want to raise kids who love God, 
it starts with you. How's your relationship with God? Are you walking with him? Are you in fellowship with other believers who you're being encouraged by? Are you showing up for church every Sunday because you love, you know, gathering with other believers and worshiping the Lord? Those are things that are going to spill over. And it may not make your kids choose to follow God right now, but over time, they're going to see that consistency and it will absolutely impact their life. So yeah, scripture, um, I think is packed. I think we have everything we need for good parenting in scripture. And if people read my book and just fall in love with the word of God more, I'm happy. Uh, but outside of that, there, there are plenty of wonderful people writing books and, and online. There's so much, you know, I put a lot of research into this book, but ultimately there's nothing better than the word of God for parenting. We need to pause to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, Christian Healthcare Ministries. You want to create a strong Christian family that will uphold one another through thick and thin. What if healthcare worked the same way? With Christian Healthcare Ministries, budget-friendly, compassionate care is within your reach. CHM empowers you to pursue excellence in healthcare without added stress or the need to cut corners. Whether you're looking for a comprehensive maternity program or the flexibility to choose your own providers, CHM has options to fit your family's specific needs. As the nation's first and longest serving health cost sharing ministry, you can rest assured knowing that you are making a difference in the lives of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Plus, you'll receive all the faith-based support of joining the larger CHM family. Encouragement and spiritual resources created for you and your little ones is just the beginning sounds different it's by design join hundreds of thousands of members and discover the biblical solutions to your health care costs to learn more visit chministries.org since 2016 cbf has brought you episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter these stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the united states and the world we are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support, starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support. You talk about in the book a lot about family values, and it, it's a challenging time for uh, concept of family values in, in many regards. One is because all families in different contexts are facing challenges to what they value versus what they're seeing within the world around them. Mm -hmm. At the same time, our definition of values is being reshaped as we as Christians are learning about other expressions of Christianity and what they value. And it's difficult to to kind of fully measure and understand these things. So what does it look like for parents today to shape their family's values with their kids as, as part of the process as they're also wrestling with um, the questions they have about what's going on in our world today? Sure. Yeah, I think that's probably the the greatest topic on, on my mind as I'm talking to parents and getting a lot of questions and emails and and whatnot. And and it's tough. I, I do believe we have an enemy who is, you know, right now in full force in our culture, really working to to tear families apart and to confuse children 
And so this is a topic that we could spend a long time talking about. I do believe that parents have such an opportunity to what I say, lay the first tracks. You know, one of my chapters is talk about everything. And I think that we need to talk to our kids about everything. I think we should be talking to our kids before somebody else does about topics because those first tracks, you know, that you lay are going to make an impression that your kids are then going to compare other things to. So we talk a lot in our family about worldview, what it means, what is a biblical worldview? How can you see the things going on around you through the lens of scripture? What is God's word saying? And can you compare what you hear when you are outside of the home, what you hear in our culture with truth from God's word? Can you recognize truth from lies? And so we use a curriculum um, and it's one that isn't necessarily just for homeschoolers. You can, anybody can use it. Um, but there are many online curriculums. I just am such a believer that kids must have a biblical worldview if we want any hope for them to grow up, to know the word of God, to be able to sort through all these issues because they're constantly changing and they're difficult. They really are, but God's word has everything we need in it. And then especially if kids do launch outside the home, go to college, you know, there's the whole deconstruction of faith happening left and right. And my own sons have gone to a Christian college and they've seen kids walk out of classrooms with tears because everything they thought they knew is being deconstructed. And yet my sons did go to college prepared for that. We talked to them before they went. We talked to them about what that looks like. They knew apologetics. They knew how to defend their faith. And when they had questions, they knew where to go to find the answers. So I can't emphasize enough the importance of parents really taking the time and being intentional about walking through a worldview with your kids so that they know what they believe and why they believe it, because there's very little hope that they're going to keep the faith, if not. And statistics are really sad about how many kids, once they leave the home, never return to church or only do so occasionally. And that's never been something I've felt okay about. I want kids who are walking with Jesus, who love the Lord and want to serve him with their whole life. So that's my greatest priority in parenting. A tremendous aspect of of parenting is is putting into practice what we learned from our parents, um, Mm -hmm. whether good or ill or somewhere in Mm -hmm. between. We've all had those moments uh, when we said to ourselves, I sound just like my parents. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what was your experience with your parents? And if it was positive, What's your advice for those who might have had a, a negative experience as they don't want to project it onto their kids? Right. Yes. Well, I'm I'm super blessed to come from wonderful parents, um, my husband as well, and we're still very close. Um, my husband's mom has passed away, but the other three are still alive and we love and appreciate them so much. My my parents were not um were not as actively involved in a church growing up, their their faith really developed a little bit more as they grew older. So I really came upon faith, you know, throughout my growing up years, but really committed to a relationship with God in my twenties in a more serious way. Um, so that's been a process really starting a little bit more in my adult life. My husband was uh committed to the Lord from the time he can really remember. So he had, you know, a, a sweet journey of growing up a little boy who knew and loved Jesus. Uh I would say though all of us, we all go through things that leave some scars, that do some damage, whether it's our own parents or other people. We make choices, we open ourselves up to things, or as things happen to us. And God sees it all. He's never left us, no matter what. 
And so I just, I encourage those I know who have come from really rough backgrounds to, to, um, you know, first of all, there's a place for counseling, for therapy, there's, there's healing available. Sometimes these are tough things that you just need someone to walk through with you. But I also just try to remind people that God is the only perfect father, that he's the only one that will never leave us nor forsake us. And to really begin to see him as, as your true heavenly father and to see our own parents as humans who probably did the best they could in light of whatever they were facing. And then to also pass that on to our kids to let them know, listen, mom and dad are not perfect. Like we are still figuring a lot of things out to be able to humbly apologize when we blow it. But I think most of the time we come into our adult life and our own parenting, needing some healing from our own uh, childhood and decisions we've made in the past. So just to know it's normal, to know it's okay, and then to find the resources you can. There's so much out there. We really don't have any excuses. There's so much out there that we can make improvements and parent better than what we came from and you know, seek the help you need and it's out there. Parenting feels like... Um the the constant art of adaptation mm -hmm. <laughs> you know i feel like i'm always behind on the way and type of parenting i need to to be and do as my kids grow and adapt what's your advice for adaptive parenting adaptive parenting uh are we talking here more about like as kids make changes as a culture like maybe clarify a little bit that question for me yeah i think as kids make changes right i mean right <laughs> I feel like yeah. overnight, my uh, oldest child, who uh, is an 11 year old, but in a 15 year old's body, mm. you know, mm -hmm. has gone through so much rapid change that mm -hmm. I'm just like, completely behind right. on how to probably care for yeah. and nurture. And I, I feel like there's a lot of parents out there the same way is that 100%. our yes. kids are changing so rapidly. And yet their worlds are changing so rapidly. And yet yes. our role as parents is changing rapidly. Yes. Well, I actually love that question because I, I, I do in my book, boy, mom, I, I talk about, you know, the building blocks of a relationship, a healthy relationship with our kids. And, and in the section where I talk about love being a building block, I, I remind the moms, but this is good for all parents, just that our, we have this natural um, parental love when our kids are young and we want to nurture them and do all the things. But as they grow up, we need to realize that our love needs to grow as our kids grow. And part of that is being a student of your child and, and kind of recognizing the areas that they have new needs. And, you know, you're never going to get this perfect. There's no formula for it, unfortunately. But I think being a student of your child, watching them, observing them, recognizing when, when love is no longer, you know, snuggling or talking baby talk, but now it might be making them a snack late at night and being there to chat when they have something on their mind. I mean, teenagers, especially tweens, maybe here too, they tend to open up right before bed, right when you're exhausted and ready to fall into bed. So being available to your child, um, in the times they need you and recognizing the topics that are going to come up, you know, do some research. There's places out there. You can find out what are the cultural issues that 12 year olds, 10 year olds, 15 year olds are facing, and then being available to talk about those things, even if you have to fake like you're comfortable. Um, but then the other uh, aspect to this that I think is so important is that I think kids are, are so in need of parents who stand firm on their values, on their faith. I think that the world is changing at such a rapid pace that it is really, um, that 
sometimes kids will come to us and ask for permission to do something or or bring up a topic and and we might feel like they want us to be the cool parent that says what they want to hear that says yes to everything but actually they want to know where their boundaries lie they want to know what is okay and what is not okay and if if parents can offer that it brings kids such a sense of security, whether they're toddlers or teenagers. Kids don't know what is up. They are still trying to figure this world out. But if they can look at mom and dad and say, you know what? They said no to that last year, and they're still saying no to that because it's it's in God's word. They gave me a good reason. That stands firm. It actually makes them feel secure. And so I, I tell the story of you know one of my sons when he was a young teenager, and some of his friends that used to be pretty innocent buddies were starting to make some bad choices and getting into some trouble. And I knew that. And my son was lonely. He wanted friends. We live in a small community. And so he would be like, well, you know, maybe if I hang out with them, I can be a good influence on them. And I was like, well, maybe, but probably not, you know, it's more likely you're going to be influenced by them. And so both of my older sons went through a pretty lonely season where we just said no to bad influences. And that was hard because every parent wants to see their kid have friends, right? And yes, they had some friends, but it was pretty limited for a while because we just knew that those friends were not going to be a good influence on them. And there's no doubt from the beginning of time, I mean, we become like the company we keep. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It is all so true. I'm just a huge believer in, in the power of influence in our lives and our kids' lives. So sometimes it's standing firm and saying the world's changing, but God's word's not. And our family values are not. And that gives kids a sense of security. So I, I just encourage parents to be really firm in the things that matter, but then yes, to flex, to, to try some new things, to be okay saying, Hey son, I tried this, but it really didn't work. Let's try it this way. Let's do something different. Mom didn't know. Now she knows better. Let's try something new. And, and I think that discernment is, you know, best comes from the Holy Spirit and spending time with God. You know, another aspect I was, I was thinking about adaptive parenting is, is the aspect that sometimes we just don't know, right? You know, mm -hmm. we don't, we don't know the answer to that thing, or we haven't settled on what we believe about this, this thing. And I think yeah. sometimes in the past, our, our parents, you know, believed that everything needed to be concrete and needed to be black mm -hmm. and white, that there was no mm -hmm. gray around things. And I think, creating a capacity within our kids is modeled through us and saying, I don't really know, but I'd mm -hmm. like to figure it out with you, or I'm trying Absolutely. to figure that out too. And let's, let's discuss that further. I, I think that's a, a critical role of parenting too. Oh, hundred um, percent. I, I love that. And, and I've seen my kids in their teenage years come to their dad and I with questions and, and I appreciate that my husband, you know, he's always said that doubt is the seed of faith. Like, it, you know, if God's word is true, it's going to stand every test. So bring me your questions, bring me confusing things, topics that you're facing out in the world. And then let, let's bring it through the lens of scripture and see. And and sometimes he would help them. And other times he would just tell them, you know what, I think, I think this is one you can dig in and figure out and let's talk about it after you've read some scripture. Or the other thing that's super important in those teenage years is to make sure kids have somebody outside of mom and dad who you trust, who can mentor them, who can disciple them. And so for us, we have just a great uh, youth pastor at our church, and we would point our kids to the youth pastor and say, you know, that's a good one to talk to Danny about. Why don't you go meet with him on that one? And that was kind of setting a pattern then for them to launch into the world where they don't need us every day, but maybe are going to find other people that they trust. So that was a great part of the process as well. 
Let's talk about dads. The the role of fathers has mm -hmm. changed over the last few decades. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we've come out of the great generation baby boomers who often, you know, the father figures were uh, portrayed as distant, cold, mm -hmm. and detached. Um, but in a day where where most families are dual vocations, um, fathers have the opportunity to take a healthier co-parenting role. Yeah. Um, but there's not a lot of support and mm -hmm. advocates out there around mm -hmm. for fatherhood, especially, um, you know, a, a less hyper-masculine uh, model of fatherhood. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, so where do you point people to go uh, when it comes to that conversation on fatherhood? Right. Well, that that is definitely an area that's lacking. I had so many women read Boy Mom and say like, well, do you have something like that for my husband, you know, or they would tell me that they went on a road trip and they would get the audio version of boy mom. And so their husband would listen as they drove along. And so that was really the motivation behind why the end of every chapter in raising amazing has a note to the dads. Now I'm aware that men probably just in general, this is generalizing, but don't read as much as women, at least in the years of parenting. Um, it seems that there's a lot more books out there for the, for parenting for women, but I, I'm such a believer that men need to rise up and to be the dads that their kids need, that it's such an important role in some ways, some research says more important than the mother's role. And so I am really excited that there's a short, you know, I call it the cliff notes version. At the end of every chapter, my husband just says, listen, men, this is what you really need. Now, I hope you read the whole chapter, but if you didn't, this part is for you. Pay attention. It matters. And he's coming from a place where there were years, you know, when we first had children, he was in medical residency. He was hardly around, not my choice, but because it was what it was. And there's parts of our kids' toddler years that he's like, I can't even remember that kid at one or two, you know, what was he like? And so he's coming from a place of saying, I, I don't want to regret anything. I don't want you to either. So I wish there were more resources. There's some good stuff out there if you search online. There's some good books for dads, but I think there's a whole lot more for moms. So I hope that Raising Amazing offers uh, some some help to the dads and, and really helps parents as well team up and say, we're in this together. We both read what's going on. In fact, I've had um, parents who are divorced, but who both get a copy of the book and say, listen, we may not agree on everything, but we do agree that we want to raise amazing children. So let's both be reading this. Let's be on the same page. And I have so much respect for that. At the end of the day, uh, parents are humans, um, mm -hmm. and it can feel like we're failing, especially uh, in our world where people only post their perfect parent moments online mm -hmm. uh, for us to all see and click and like. What's your advice for authentic parenting, both for those who identify and know they're struggling and for those that think they have it all put together and want to share it for the world to see? <laughs> right. Isn't it funny how we tend to fall on one side or the other, right? But I think taking that humble middle ground, which which isn't thinking poorly of yourself, but it's just thinking rightly of yourself. And and all of us, if we think rightly, are, are fallen, humans, sinful, and desperately in need of God's grace every day. So I think if we remind ourselves of that, again, my best advice is to be in the Word, spending time in prayer and fellowship and, and really walking your talk. Uh, if we're doing that, then talking to our kids in a way that they, they figure out that we're human eventually, right? So we might as well be honest about it. And so just trying to tell them, listen, God put me in authority over you. Yes, I'm your mom. I mean, 
before we recorded, I just had to remind a certain 12 year old that, you know, he needs to honor his mother. And that's, that's not something that should come and go, but it needs to be a way of life. And so we can be an authority, but we can also say, you know, I had a hard day. I'm going through a rough season. I'm struggling. You know what? I'm struggling, but I'm seeking help for it. Like I've made some bad choices, whatever it might be, financially, relationally, at my job, but I'm going to model to you what it looks like when you make bad choices, because one day our kids are going to screw up and they're going to want to remember how did mom handle it? How did dad handle it when he was going through that season? What do we do when we're stressed? What do we turn to, to help us relax or uh, chill out? What, what's, what's our source of strength and hope? Who do we go to? How do we do it? And you know what? That's some built-in accountability that as much as in the moment, we're like, you know what? I just want to be free. I think that built-in accountability is really beautiful because it just makes us rise up and be the people we really want to be anyway. And so I love having kids around is that set of eyes that are just observing us. And, and we know we are called to model to them what it looks like to live a godly life, even when it's hard, even when we're facing challenges, uh, but to stay humble too. And let those kids know that we, and one of the stories I share in Boy Mom is that my husband has a memory of walking by his parents' bedroom when he was very young and seeing them on their knees together praying. And he said it just blew his mind that these two people who he looked to to meet all of his needs, he thought they were, you know, the most perfect human beings, that they had somebody that they were depending on to meet their needs. And just what that modeled to him and how that made an impression that stuck with him throughout his life. So I say as parents, let's model that to our kids so that ultimately they turn to the only um, one who can meet their needs and who can forgive them and, and redeem their mistakes. So I think it's it's just a daily walk that we need to consider the impact of. How do you imagine churches using this book? Mm, I would love to see, uh, you know, people in small group settings going through it. There's reflection questions at the end of each chapter. and I think that the topics in here are, you know, my heart of hearts. Like I've said, I'm coming from a place of raising so far three adult children um, who all are making really good choices, who love God, but also I've done a ton of research. And I think that the information in here is really sound and and biblical. And and I, I try to have some fun in the chapters too. It's not all dry and, and stiff. So I think that small group studies would be a great way to go through this book. And I, I love to hear when people are encouraging one another. It's it's fun too, because this is one where um, men and women can do together. It doesn't have to be just a women's group. And I think it'd be really fun to have some home groups going on, going through chapters of the book together. Our guest is Monica Swanson. The book is Raising Amazing. You can stay connected with Monica by visiting monicaswanson.com. Uh, Monica, it's been a joy speaking with you. Thank you for reminding us that we are called to take hold of God's hand, dive into God's word, rest in God's spirit, and discover God's leadership for us and our family. Mm, thank you so much. It has been an honor to be with you today. Before we wrap up, we need to tell you about one more of our annual sponsors, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. Are you looking for a Bible study resource for your church? Responding to an invitation from the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of Virginia, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky has produced Bible study resources that is available for free of charge. The study, title, Faithful Curiosity, Five-Week Study of Luke and Acts, deals with three passages from Luke and two passages from Acts. It offers Bible study methods and provides two interpretive essays for each passage. 
The writers are BSK faculty, staff, students, and alumni. Download this resource for free today at bsk.edu backslash faithful. Okay, that's it. That's our conversation. If you want more, be sure to subscribe to CBF Podcast on all major platforms, including iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcast. Don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platform. Go ahead and click that subscribe button. Be sure to rate and review the podcast as it helps others find us. Check out cbf.net for more information about church starters, field personnel, advocacy work, and much more. And, uh, oh yeah, I think we mentioned that you should uh, join the listener support community at cbf.net backslash podcast support.